take a, a minute and chat to someone next to you. One of the things, this is a very challenging passage for me, and one of the things I was reflecting as I was going through it, uh, re-looking at it this week, was this, is am I more generous now than I was 30 years ago? Am I more generous now than I was 20 years ago, 30 years ago? And actually, one of the conclusions I came to was this. I'm not sure I am. And I realized that I had to spend quite a bit of time to realize that some of the stuff that I have actually is a bit too important for me. So what I'd like you to do is chat to next someone and just talk about how you feel. Do you feel you're more generous than you were in the past? Or do you feel like you're not sure? Just take a moment to chat to someone nearby to see whether you think you're generous or not. Okay, if you want to bring your conversation to a conclusion, do, do feel free to continue that conversation um, after the service, Pro preferably not during the service, the remaining 20 minutes or so that I'm going to preach, but you know. Uh, <laughs> so we're coming, uh, we're on the homeward journey on our discipleship series, looking at what it means to be fully alive. We've talked about being spiritually alive. We've talked about being physically alive. We've talked about being relationally alive. We've talked about being emotionally alive. And today I want to talk about being financially alive. Now, there are two subjects that I think it'd be fair to say that we keep in particularly airtight, separate compartments that we find it difficult to talk about, particularly outside the church, but including in the church sometimes but not the second bit of this, and that's money and God. For some reason, we find it difficult to talk about it for all sorts of reasons. The sacred and the secular, as many would say it. We struggle to share about God. We don't want to talk about money because it's sort of a bit embarrassing. It says all th sorts of things about us. See, most people, when they think about God... They think about spiritual concern. They think that, well, you know, God is concerned 
in my life about how much time I'm spending with him in the morning, whether I'm reading my Bible, whether I'm praying, whether I manage to get to church ever so often, or whether I come at Christmas or at Easter. You know, that's what God's really interested in, surely. But they may think about money, think, well, God isn't really interested in my money. Because, frankly, my money is my own. Because if there's something I want to buy, if there's something I want to do with it, well, that's my decision. That's my choice. I can go ahead with it. I can afford it. If I can't afford it in today's society particularly, there are credit cards, there are all sorts of other ways in which I can get what I want and what I deserve. So my investments, my wages, my debt, my giving, my purchases, my possessions, anything dealing with money, maybe that's my business. It's not God's business. I have my business. God has his business. His business is the spiritual bit. My business is the earthly bit. So it's a surprise to many people when they realize that actually God is genuinely interested in our money. It's important to God. And if you want to understand the relative importance of money to God, all you need to do is open the Bible and spend some time looking through the whole Bible and see how often money is mentioned, how often possessions are mentioned. You'd be surprised about how often it's mentioned, the sheer volume of verses that shows how important the topic of money is to God. In fact, there are more verses in the Bible concerned with money than they are, for example, about sex. There are more, more verses about money and about our possessions than there are about prayer. There are more verses in the Bible about money and our possessions about than talk about heaven and hell. So why is money so important in the Bible? Why is it talked about so much? One reason for it, one reason for it is, is that actually our money affects every other area of our lives. When I started this series, one of the things I use very simply as an illustration is that many of us view our lives as being in compartments. I've got this life here is my church life, this is my work life, this is my family life, this is my leisure, this is my money, this is my holidays. This is my whatever else it is. This is my music. This is my reading. And, and actually, they're, they're a little bit like the segments of an orange where I have them all in separate compartments where I can place them. Rather than the image we use is that of a peach in which actually it's all interconnected. All those aspects of our lives are interconnected. They shape everything. They shape how we are. And God is as interested in all those areas of our life. He's not interested in a segmentalized or compartmentalized life. For example, just take the interrelation between our relationship health, our healthiness in relationships, and our finances. I read recently a study of counselors. And the three, lead, re, the three main reasons for divorce or relationship breakdown uh, these counselors talked about were these three things. They were basic incompatibility, infidelity, and money issues. Counselors said that over a third of the reasons for breakdown in relationships 
was disagreements and arguments amongst couples about our money, about our resources, and it's the heart of a huge amount of disagreements. So what did Jesus, one of the things Jesus said about money? Here, let me read these verses in Mark 12, 41 to 44. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins, worth only a couple of cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, she gave out of her poverty. She put in everything, all she had to live on. Notice in this passage that it doesn't say Jesus happened to see what the people were giving as he looked up from his mobile phone while he was in the temple and just caught out at the corner of his eye what people were putting in the treasury. It said Jesus deliberately stationed himself and was close enough to watch this old woman with a shriveled hand put two tiny coins into the offering box. See, Jesus in this passage makes no excuse for leaning over our shoulders and deciding and looking at what it is we give to and where we give to. And the reason our money is important to God is it, com- it does impact every other area of our lives. Because our money, and the kind of, I've mentioned this before when we looked at it, but it's worth reminding this, is our money, like all our possessions, are not ours, but they're God's. From the beginning to the end, the Bible tells us that God is the owner of everything. I wonder whether you really have grasped that this morning. Have I grasped that? That God is the owner of everything. Here's what we read in Psalm 24. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Haggai 2.8. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. It all belongs to God. Or 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. See, if we see God as the owner of everything, creation itself, us, our possessions, our things, there's no principle about becoming financially alive in our lives that's more important than this. We are not the owner of everything. It's all God's. It's all God's. We are not the owner of everything. It's all God's. He purely gives it to us on loan. Every person we love, every job we have, every possession, it's all on loan. It's a gift to us. What we have is a gift to us. We didn't own it before we were born, and we won't take it with us where we're going after we die. We get to use it. We get to enjoy it while we're here on earth during our time here. But as the old saying goes, you can't take it with you. We don't own it. It's an amazing gift for now, but it is a gift for now, and we need to see it in that light. 
And the thing is this, is if you start to look at your life, your possessions, your things, and your whole life in this way, if you say, do you know, I've got this, I'm responsible for this for a while, but I don't own it. Everything belongs to God. Everything I have is God's. Everything is God. Your worry, your fear, your anxiety are going to go. They won't take the grip on our life that often our possessions and our things do. But they'll start to become life-giving to us as gifts that we can use, that we can give to others, that we can bless others with, rather than feel like we're desperately trying to hold on to life and to what we have with a huge amount of fear and anxiety. It will liberate us if we genuinely believe that God is the owner of everything. It will liberate how you see your job, how you see your friends, how you see your house. Everything is a gift. It's all a gift from God. It's on loan to us for this period of our lives. It's not mine. It's his. So then how should we uh, approach money? I'm going to read from, uh, we've read from Acts 6, 19 to 24. I'm just going to look at a couple of verses this morning. But I want to talk about four things um, about this passage teaches us about approaching our possessions, about our lives as a gift. But I'm going to specifically talk about money to make it a little bit more simple. So what did Jesus say was wrong with treasures on earth in this passage? Matthew 6, 19. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. And here's the first approach Jesus gives us to take and uh, encourage us to, to how we should approach our money. The first is this, don't trust your money. Don't put your trust in money. Treasures on earth are always subject to two problems. They're subject to decay and they're subject to being stolen or taken from you. So Jesus says, don't put your security in earthly things. You can lose it, and it can go bad. I don't care how much money this morning you may have. All of us could lose it. Stock markets can crash. Countries can go into prolonged depressions. And Jesus tells us in no uncertain terms to never put our total trust in anything in this world. You know, if your security is found in, in your looks, if you're very proud of your looks and really it's your trust in us, I've got, I've got news for you this morning. You're not always going to look as good as you do today. I'm sorry to tell you, but today you're not always going to look as good as you do today. We are subject to decay over time. Trust me, all of us are getting older. It doesn't mean that we can't enjoy what we have now. It doesn't mean that we don't treasure what we have now, make the most of what we have, or take pleasure in it. But Jesus is warning us not to get our eyes in the wrong place. He's warning us not to put our eyes into trusting the wrong things, to making the center of our eyes things that will fade, that will decay, and that will destroy, and then we become shattered because we realize that our trust has been in the wrong place and the wrong things, and it's got taken from us or it decays. Jesus here obviously does understand the reality of living in the world, but he also wants his people to be secure 
He wants his people, his disciples, his people to live in this world, a secure people. So he says to them this, if you really want to be secure, center your life 